Hello there! You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of Scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we're delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. Gentlemen, how are we How are we feeling today? We're, we're officially in September. This will air like later in September, but just how, how are things? Well, interesting. Uh, maybe I'll start with a story here. Oh, uh, hit us I'm up. embarrassed a little bit because... Oh. Chelsea and I got to go on a date last night, and uh, as we all know, going out is not such a thing that is normal in these days and age that we live in. Yes, social distance um, and wear your mask. All the time. Love your neighbor as yourself. There we go. Um, and we were at this restaurant outdoors, and there was socially distant tables next to us they, that were full of people. And I kind of forgot where we are and, at, and where we were that is out in public. And I've gotten into this bad habit, so like towards the end of the meal, I just let out this really loud burp. <laughs> just like, just you know, just sitting there. <laughs> and Chelsea just looks at me. Charles, <laughs> we're in public. <laughs> and I suddenly come to out of like my own bubble, and I realize that everybody around us just heard me just like burp. So that was embarrassing. I've forgotten how to be in public with people. <laughs> This is our first edition of Date Night at the Wesley's. Um, join us next week when Charles farts in church. <laughs> I've done that, though. Not farting Fart in church. church. <laughs> I mean, like, I have probably farted in church, but not loudly. I've burped in public, forgetting where I am many times. The fact that you feel shame for it makes me feel shame for not so <laughs> i'm glad that you are a i mean it was like in the moment i was like oh shoot and i was like well it is what it is nothing right. i can do about it right well, mind I, enjoyed, your business. I enjoyed my meal right. you know <laughs> oh, maybe you enjoyed your meal half as much you won't be looking at me <laughs> anyway anyway eli how have you been um, a little more couth um <laughs> um I'm okay. I'm weary. That's what I. That's where I am right now. That's um, fair. There's a lot happening. Like you said, we're in the we're we're now officially in September, and November's coming up, and there's just a lot of things on people's minds. Yeah. Um, social unrest, voting, COVID's still a thing. I'm just, yeah, my own personal baggage. Just yeah. like, I'm weary, but I'm happy to be here with both of you. I feel that. Yeah, it's, yeah, this lifts my spirits, and I hope for those of you listening with your own baggage and kind of weighed down by the the state of the world that it also encourages you to be active in in where you are but also lifts your spirits uh we can include more uh bodily like (laughs) function stories if it helps we will do that for you (laughs) oh man this is already off the rails (laughs) let's keep it going with our question of the week if you'd like to submit a question for us to answer during our question of the week segment, you can email us at threeguysatthewell at gmail.com. That's the number three. Then guys at the well, all one word in lowercase, at gmail.com. So this is a, a semantic question that we received from a friend of ours named Ben. Um, and the question is, in referring to a specific type of food, do you refer to, to it as a grilled cheese or a cheese toasty? Did I get that right? Grilled cheese or cheese toasty. So which one is the way that you refer to this thing that hopefully we're all familiar with. Grilled cheese. It's a grilled cheese the same way soda is soda instead of soda being pop. I don't 
I don't like the way you're looking at me when I'm you I'm looking that. directly at you, sir. Okay, here's the thing. Mm, okay. For for those listening, you're about to hear me throw something at you. <laughs> Um, because it is it is grilled cheese. That yep. is, I, I've never I've never heard anyone refer to it as a cheese no. toasty. Like no. I've made like snacks with just cheese melted on toast before, and I thought that's what it was referring to. Mm. It is grilled cheese. It is also pop. No. And I will suplex you <laughs> if you keep speaking this blasphemy to our <laughs> listeners. Well, I guess we have a lot of Michiganders. Yeah, I was who say, are... it depends. We've got some Michigander listeners, I, you know and that, they're saying like they're siding with Drell. It's pop. Of course, it's. Yeah. We've got we've got listeners. You know, a lot of people can be wrong, Charles. <laughs> I'm not afraid of that. Or or just one. Or just <laughs> just one specific one. It's semantics. There's an interesting thing. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. It, the point is, there is a, a God honoring way to say <laughs> pop, and it is pop. <laughs> And there are some not God honoring ways to say that, and that's what Eli prefers. <laughs> We're gonna have a poll soon: soda or pop, and that's gonna be it. Oh, you're not gonna include We're the gonna, down south We're version. Do, it's like what it's is like that? Coke, Coke, just everything's Coke. How is every? What kind of Coke do you want? Everything can't. That's not. That's a brand. That's, that's a brand. That's, that's a, mm, anyway. They had that definitely wrong. <laughs> At least we can all agree on that. <laughs> yeah, we we should put a poll so that we can. We, well, I might have to theme an entire episode around heresy, uh, depending on how things go. <laughs> You're a ham. <laughs> I, uh, I am correct on this. I am a prophet in 2020, as we talked about in our last episode. So I need to call out evil when I see you, Eli. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. If you want any more divisive questions, that'll get a chair thrown at Eli. Um, and probably me attacked after we stop recording. Send it to our email. <laughs> oh my god, we're just we're increasing in just like completely off the rail behavior in this podcast. So as we get into this the passage, we'll we'll see how this goes. Will we course correct? Probably not. <laughs> so <laughs> this week's passage is it's a second in our series, just like us, starting season two, and it is from the Book of Esther. It's from Esther chapter four, verses eleven through seventeen as well as chapter 8, verses 3 through 8, and 16 through 17. So we're jumping around a bit to get a full scope of the story. If you have your Bible and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. Esther was not supposed to be here. An orphan Jewish girl with no royal affiliation until her Cinderella-esque elevation to Queen of Persia, Esther found herself with the weight of her people resting squarely on her shoulders. The king had recently elevated a man named Haman to to a seat of honor in his court. Haman devised a plan to annihilate the Jewish people living in Persia. Esther's cousin Mordecai gets wind of this and pleads with her to use her power to stop him. Success at this mission would save thousands of Jewish lives. Failure would result in their slaughter swiftly after her own. Esther was not supposed to be here, but she was. And she was going through with it, no matter the outcome. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king, who has not been called, he has but one law, will be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart 
that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for a time such as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shishan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. Now Esther spoke again to the king, fell down at his feet, and implored him with tears to counteract the evil of Haman the Agagite and the scheme which he had devised against the Jews. And the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, If it pleases the king, and if I have found favor in your sight, and the thing seems right to the king, and I am pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha the Agagite, which he wrote to annihilate the Jews who are in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that will come to my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my countrymen? Then King Xerxes said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, Indeed, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows, because he tried to lay his hand on the Jews. You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews, as you please, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with his um, signet, signet ring, no one can evoke. The Jews had light and gladness, joy and honor. And in every province and city, wherever the king's command and decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a holiday. Then many of the people of the land became Jews because the fear of the Jews fell upon them. Gentlemen, in what ways is Esther just like us? I think, so what struck me first about this passage is on the first bit, I think in verse or chapter 4, verse 11, 17, <clears throat> Esther is just like us in that she needs community to help her in this task mm. that, it, that is being asked of her. Preach. Mordecai comes and says, can you do this thing? This can you do this hard thing? Mm -hmm. And she said, and and she gets convinced and realizes she needs to do it. And then she goes back and says, "Yes, but I need your help. Mm. I need my people to seek the Lord with me." Mm. Um, and, and it just struck me of the importance of community. Um, that not a single one of us is called to follow the Lord, is called to discipleship, um, or to a particular task alone. Because we're called to bear each other's burdens. We're called uh, to grieve with each other. We're called to rejoice and celebrate with one another. And Esther realizes this, which is interesting because she doesn't even have like that much of an inheritance other than she's Jewish because she's an orphan. Mm -hmm. She was raised by her cousin. Like she's in the Persian king's court. She's not even like with her people. But she recognizes that the Lord has put her in this position for a particular, for such a time as this, and and yet she still says, "I need my people behind me. I mm. need I need to seek the Lord with them." And she says, "Okay, I will do this, but I need I need my people. Can you do this with me?" Um, and it, it just struck me the importance of community. 
Mm. Amen. That yes. was exactly what I was going to. I'm going to parrot it now. Like the idea that when someone or something threatens the the the, the health, safety, and well being of a faithful people, mm. they come together in prayer to ask God to rescue them. Mm. And in be in being just like us, prayer and fasting are things that we have access to. Like God, Jesus, God in the flesh implores us to do that during his sermon on the mount and so there's this notion that like that is one of the primary ways in which we are to lean into the lord um and so do it we're encouraged to do so Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah just kind of the leaning on something being difficult and leaning back on (coughs) people and like being the body of christ especially excuse me in this age after the new covenant like we are the body of christ we're not meant to just kind of like this is a story about esther but it is also a story of the jewish people in persia at the time and her kind of bringing them along and commissioning them um, with this work as well and then sharing in the the results of it um i also think that esther kind of kind of going off that she's just like us in that she had responsibility kind of thrust upon her when she wasn't ready necessarily mm. like she and I'm, I'm still in this a bit from a friend of mine who he once was speaking about leadership and he said things are true about leadership is that you will have it thrust upon you at times when you don't feel ready true and i feel like it's just it's one of those like it's one of those like christianese things that people say uh like god will never give you more than you can handle not which true yeah which is like not true he by necessity to show how big he is, he will absolutely give you more than you can handle so that you can learn to give that to him and learn to lean into him when you're facing something that is so much bigger than you that you can't possibly do it. And I think we see that with Esther. She's given something that is an entire nation and culture of people is on her now. And she, again, like to your point, Charles, she's an orphan she was raised by her cousin she had no claim to anything before the king did what he did and we'll get into the madness that is the beginning of this story probably a bit later but she's someone who was thrust into the spotlight was thrust into this position of power and responsibility and i think that's true of a lot of us whether it's like transitioning out of one phase of life to another as we get older as we get more mature in faith hopefully we do have more responsibility and sometimes it comes upon us when we are not ready. And that is okay because it might've surprised Esther, but it didn't surprise the Lord. And he chose her specifically to bring about this restoration. And so there's something to be said there about what do you do when you are overwhelmed? When God does give you something that is too big for you, what is your response? And to you guys' point, it is to lean on community to the body of Christ. It is to um, remain faithful to God first um, and to allow him to work through you even when there are significant costs associated with that. And like to your point not only the Lord showing himself like the depth of his own character but the depth of Esther's character was mm. revealed in this. Like her yep. cur- like courage is not seen when you're not being tested in fear. Like yes. Esther was a boss. When this is done she's referring to the fasting and praying I will go to the king even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I, I perish. perish. That's a boss Woo! line. That's you, like, it's the it's up to the Lord. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Like, it's, it's, it's like it's in his a, hands. It's in mm. his hands, right. Which is like a hard 
for her in that situation, a hard thing to do. Sure. And she has so much faith that, that like, it is a point I have to make. She, she recognizes injustice and realizes that regardless of the consequences of her acting, she needs to act. Right. And in this case, it could be her life. Mm-hmm. But she, she recognizes the Lord is calling her something. The Lord might have placed her in some, uh, in that position at such a, at such a time as this, and that she's called to action regardless of the consequences, and that her life is literally in the hands. And she says, "So be it. It's it's up to the Lord." Yeah. Right? Which mm-hmm. is boss. To use your words, boss yeah. moves. There's one thing I find really encouraging about this book, and I know this is going to sound weird because um, I haven't quite figured out how to phrase it. Um, but in rereading this book, have you noticed that not once is God actually not mentioned? Once. Not, not a once. single time. Um, I didn't. But... Yeah, he's actually not mentioned. Um, but people go to him. But he, there's no like, and God said to Esther, or and God said to Mordecai, mm. or. And God sent a prophet to admonish Haman for persecuting Mordecai and plotting against the Jews. There's none of that. Huh. Um, it's just not there. And that matches, I feel, um, a lot of the Christian experience today. Mm. Um, there are no, there's not like, there's no one prophet to guide all Christians right now. We have Jesus who ascended and sends his spirit, right, to give us gifts and to supply us and to, and to work with us. And he gives us his church which is where we find our support. So there's no like one guy or right. one girl on earth. Um, there's no fire falling down. There's no drought. Um, there is this immense dependence in the book of Esther on God through prayer and action while uh, working through adversarial situations. And gradually as you read through chapters, what is it? It's like four, five, six, and seven. You begin to see circumstances turn on their head. Mm-hmm. I mean, Haman from was was given honor when he didn't even deserve it. It was Mordecai who was the one who pointed things out. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, he is impaled on the very th- on the very like pole or staff or spear that he set up to kill Mordecai on. Mm-hmm. Um, like God, and and even in the midst of like Esther being absolutely terrified of, and she's to the point of weeping while she's presenting her case at this banquet that she set up to the king and to that jerk come on it's obviously the lord working and shifting circumstances for the sake of his people because he sees that there is uh like the jews who are in persia at the time they don't scatter because they're afraid they don't run away they remain there and they pray and they fast esther doesn't lose her mind Mm. she she confronts the king but she does it she doesn't do it in a way that's like awful or arrogant or stuck up she does it with an incredible amount of humility mm-hmm. and it still works like Mordecai steadfastly does not bow to this evil man. And yeah, I, I'm all about it. Like people's characters are revealed when they rely on the character of God. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's a good word. Yeah. Well, and I, it's, and she like to that point, like her character is revealed in ways that I hope feel like we could be just like Esther is that she wholeheartedly goes forward not just in knowing it could mean her life, but if you like, like reading her like plea to the king, she's very. It's not just. It's not like Mordecai said, "Hey, could you? You're you've got friends in high places. Uh, can you help us out with this?" And it wasn't like she reluctantly went and was like, "I mean, I guess it's kind of a hassle, but I'll throw you a bone." Like in her plea, it's not just like you know, save the Jewish people, but just cause it's like, she talks about like, how can I endure my people being treated this way? Like, how can I endure? 
people who like are from like my family like being treated in this way to be like annihilated by this evil person and there there's something in that like to your point Eli about like God himself not being mentioned it doesn't say like God sent Esther then God like smote Haman it's like but he's so clearly working and I think there's something in that to like when we lean in when we lean into the character of God, like you said, and he forms our character, he moves us to act in ways that aren't necessarily like this big dramatic thing of like God speaking directly to and saying, go to this thing. He just works in the nature of our hearts and moves us to compassion and moves us to action in a way that is like, that comes off as very natural. And that's the way that Esther speaks about it. It's not God told me to do this. It's like, this is terrible. And... I'm going to use what I have to act against it. And I think that there's something in there for the church today to not over-spiritualize action because in so doing, sometimes I think we fall back into cowardice. Agreed. And it's like we can recognize there are evils and injustices in people that are being laid waste or thought less of in society. And instead of saying, well, how do we as the church, the body of Christ, his hands and feet in the world, respond to this compassionately we just kind of say well god didn't say specifically to do that and it's like having leaning into the character of god as you said eli and allowing that to grow our character will move our hearts in the way that god's heart is moved and i think we all like the church at large needs that but we need that and need to pray more of like god i don't i don't necessarily need a word i don't need to lay out a fleece i want my heart to break for what breaks yours and I don't need, I want to live a life that's not looking for like an explicit call to arms. I want to live a life that because I'm sensitive to who you are and how you see your people, I act alongside you in bringing about, rest, bringing about restoration in those broken areas. As a follow-up, as a follow-up to that, Jarrell, mm -hmm. um, like speaking of be, like not relying on explicit calls to action in order to move you. Mm -hmm. Mordecai says something incredibly convicting to her while she's figuring out what she is going to do. Mm -hmm. He says, do not think that because you're in that king's house, you alone mm -hmm. of the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and, de and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But if you and your father's family, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but you, but that you have come to your uh, royal position for such a time as this. Like, he said, Mordecai's trust in God to mm -hmm. protect his people is so, like, unshaken. He's like, look, we're going to get help either from you or from some other place. Mm -hmm. God is with us. But you, if you decide in this moment to rest on the fact that you're comfortable mm -hmm. or maybe unaffected by what's mm -hmm. happening or maybe this, that, and the other thing, maybe you're just sitting pretty, please understand that that says far more about your lack of character than mm -hmm. anything else that's going on. Do it. not let this situation set you up to be pointed out as as someone who whose apathy is a sign of like or, or is a sign of like there being something twisted about your heart and your intentions mm -hmm. um mm. so I, yeah i'm all about mordecai being like he's he's actually on point as someone who's who's all about like justice and what is good and what is right and, and esther is someone who follows through and listens to wisdom yeah ab Ooh. there's so much more to say about that i'm gonna Give it to Charles lot. before. <laughs> There's a lot we could say. Yeah. yeah. We could, we could spend an entire season on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, maybe I'll pivot a little For bit. Sure. To another completely different point <laughs> sure, that, I, sure. that, that the Lord brought to mind. <laughs> um, 
And it's, I, I mentioned it earlier, but Esther is an orphan. Yeah. Um, she has no family. Yeah. She has no inheritance. Um, and she's thrust into the king's court, becomes the king's wife, and, and that comes with its own set of things. But uh, I was, the Lord put her in a position where she was reminded, or at least Mordecai reminds her, of her Jewish heritage. Yeah. Um, uh, and the inheritance that comes with being a part of God's chosen people. Um, even though, like, in a material way, she had none of that. For just be, be because of the Jewish or the times the the times that she lived in, having no, she didn't have a husband. At least from her, from Jewish heritage, she was an orphan. Um, she was a woman. Like there's a lot stacked against her. And I was thinking about maybe some of our listeners, and maybe some of us, um, even in this room, who like Esther have come from broken homes, mm-hmm. maybe single parent homes, um, who are themselves are orphans who maybe feel unloved or have dysfunctional families, who have a broken heart because of the way that they were <laughs> loved, in quotation marks, or unloved by family and loved ones. Mm-hmm. Well, just like Esther, God has not forgotten us. Mm. God has not forgotten you. He loves you and calls you to the inheritance of, for us, eternal life. Mm. Um, and he, And he gives his children, all of us, each and every one of us, um, a part to play uh, in the advancement of the kingdom. And more importantly, he calls us into his family of the body of Christ. And and for Esther, that had a significant part to play in um, the salvation of the Israelite people. Um, but for us, it can be look like a, a bunch of things, but just because um, we are like Esther in that we had a dysfunctional family. We're orphans, single parent homes, no parent home, whatever it may be. We actually are part of a family. God has called us mm. his sons and daughters. And through that call, we're brothers and sisters. We are the body of Christ and we have a part to play. We are loved by the eternal and perfect father. Mm. Um, and, and, and so in, we are like Esther in that way. Amen. Mm. Like let it cook, chop some onions. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Like we're, like it says in Romans, like by the spirit, we cry out, Abba, like by the spirit of adoption, we cry out, Abba, Father. And that, that's seen so clearly in Esther of God being someone who, he consistently, who dives into brokenness and doesn't look at things as like the, like the, the template way of doing things. He's like, I'm going to work through my people no matter what. And I'm going to take the lowest among you by worldly standards and adopt them into my family and use them to bring about uh, my kingdom. Like there's a verse in the New Testament, I think it's in Corinthians, I could be wrong, Um, but where it's either Paul or Peter. (laughs) I'm doing a great job in talking about this (laughs) on this Bible podcast, but it says like, I think it's Paul, not many of you like when you were called were like educated or learned or like of high status in society. Like, but God called like the weak to like humble the strong and these kind of things that like God's family and God's kingdom is inclusive and it meets us exactly where we are um, and validates exactly where we are and brings about restoration exactly where we are and there's something so uh, pertinent about that to Esther's story but I think to all of our stories of God meeting us where we are and bringing us into the fold so that we could then bring others uh, into the fold. Very briefly, I do want to get into like some of the greater context around some of the stuff that's happening 
and Esther because we had a good laugh about it before we started <laughs> recording and we'll see what else comes up. But um, yeah, so the book of Esther starts with the king at the time, uh, Xerxes, and Vi- like, I, Eli, do you want to explain it? Because you explained it really well when we started talking about this. Um, so essentially, so essentially Xerxes, like this whole story starts off with the fact that King Xerxes um, wants to show his wife off at a banquet and she says no like i'm not going to be paraded around as some prop for you no thanks <laughs> and so he decides to then look for another wife like that's not marital counseling would need to be a thing so badly so badly um you embarrass me in front of my friends but like it even says the queen's conduct will become known to all the women and so they will despise their husbands and say king xerxes commanded queen vashti to be brought before him, but she would not come. And that's gonna, that's, your belief is that one woman standing up for herself is going to incite just... Rebellion. (laughs) The gossip. I can't imagine. Oh, I'm so sorry that, like, just to live in that time must have been, I mean, just now is is its own cross to carry, but my goodness, how stupid. But, like, that started all of this, and then he chose he chose Esther out of tons of women. Yeah. Well, you said over the course of years it was. I believe was, so, because yeah. there are processes of like, basically like, it's it's not like, it's not a good story. No, it's not. Like I compare Esther to Cinderella because it's the only thing I can think of to make that connection. It's not a good story. It's a process of just him finding women that he sees appealing and like dressing them up and they get treated with like oils and yeah. stuff to like he gives them for, for months yeah and it's yeah it's weird it's really really weird um and then brings like esther through that but yeah it's such a strange start to the story esther in general we like we're talking about how it's so strange it's written as if it's written as like prose and has like it's it's we we see the 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 Bible is a great story. We try to help uh, our listeners see it, but Esther especially does not read like any other book of the Bible. Uh-huh. And there's so many things. That, the comedy that's in this uh, story between like Haman and Mordecai is ridiculous it's and like ridiculous. weirdly funny for a, a biblical book. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a strange start, and it's interesting as well that like Esther from being queen to this guy who is so insecure that he would, like, start a nationwide, like, search for a new wife, uh, would then, she would then still, because that's the thing, she would have to have known that that is what led to her being brought in as his new wife. She would have to know, like, this guy's got, like, really thin skin. It is really, like, odd. And yet she goes anyway. And she goes into his courts anyway and makes his request anyway. Amen. So, like, to your point, it speaks even more to, like, her character. That, like, knowing this man's flaws knowing like the level of his depravity she still is like but i will be faithful to my people and i will see their problem as my problem mm. and it shows so much more of her character that with that context she's like he's nuts but i'm gonna do it anyway but there's also a lot of prudence in esther's approach to him she sets up more than one bank more than one banquet like yeah to a like, to a she's just, like a and, right just to like soften like i know i'm about to do something wild right now I and he asked her, she, he's like, this was a lovely banquet. Yeah. What did you want? Let me throw you another one yeah. tomorrow night. <laughs> another banquet is what I want. <laughs> but he's yeah. so savvy. Yeah. Yeah. Just like cunning. Cut, very shrewd. Oh my gosh. Um, it's crazy to me. 
But like Mordecai is to your point, Jarrell, like Mordecai is also part of the craziness of all of this. <laughs> and it's funny what God will allow ha- will allow to happen in our lives to to stage the downfall of someone who is evil. Mm. Um the king is a, is a moron. He's a, he's a narcissist and yeah. of ill intelligence and Haman is this egotistical. He's got the emotional intelligence intelligence of a toddler. Yeah, like so much of it is just like you need to bow to me. Like, who, he's who, cartoony. He is. He is cartoony. He, we said this. He's he's the most like cartoony villain in the Bible that I can think of. Like there are a lot of people who do ridiculous things, but he's more of just like twisting his mustache, <laughs> like rubbing his hands together, tying people to train tracks, like that. He's so weird. And anyway. the way in which the Lord like shuts this down he preserves like king xerxes remains king but he by the end of it he remains unable to harm the jews yeah like the legislation that's put forth by by the end of esther like not only protects them but allows them to retaliate against anyone who would harm anyone them. Yep. anyone in the region and that's incredible um but also Haban gets exactly what's coming to him he sets up this awful trap like he like boasts in his front lawn like this <laughs> like, like some dad <laughs> like this massive spear that he's going to impale someone on mordecai on and god allows the situation to be turned on its head through haman's own ego mm-hmm. like a Zer- like king xerxes approaches him is just like so who who what should i give to a man that i would honor and haman's like oh Oh, he must be talking about me. Oh, this is about me. And so he, he lauds, he like throws all this amazing stuff at Xerxes. He's like, oh, great, Mordecai. <laughs> what? You, Excuse me? <laughs> all that stuff you said? Give it to Mordecai. Give it to Mordecai. <laughs> and then Esther is able to put forth this this action that leaves Haman being seen as for what is he for what he is, which is vile. Yeah. It's it's insane. I think like to kind of wrap it here, one read Esther. It is read insane. Esther. Um but yeah, there's something in Esther, the word that kind of came to me was there is a fierce, a fierceness and a humility about her. And I think that is something to be emulated in that we want to be just like her in that way and that she wasn't naive, She, but she wasn't overly like, she wasn't like overly aggressive to a point of being imprudent. She like was serious about doing God's work, but went about it in a way that like also honored him, was also incredibly intelligent. And I think like that a fierceness and fierceness and humility are something that we can model in bringing about the kingdom today in ways that we can be just like Esther. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks so much for listening. You can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Twitter and Instagram by searching three guys at the well. And head over to our Facebook page to keep the the conversation going and the space reserved for further discussion of the topics we cover in each week's episode. We'll talk to you next week here at The Well.